The following recording was produced by Christ Redeemer Church of Hanover, New Hampshire. The speaker is Doug Cooper. You may find more information on the church and its various resources on the web at www.christredeemerchurch.org. The scripture reading is from Matthew 2, 1-12. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was born. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On the coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and mirth, and having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. This ends the reading of God's Word. Thank you, Sue. You know what we're going to do right now? You may have noticed that a moment ago we should have sang, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, but I'm, I was thinking to myself, listening to her read, that before I begin this message, that it, this is a very appropriate thing for us to do. So please remain sit, uh, sitting, and we're, we're going to sing this a cappella together. If you don't know it, just hang tight and you'll, you'll get it. <clears throat> oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel that mourns in lonely exile until the Son of God appear. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to And pierce the clouds and bring 
us light. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to Again, thank you everybody for coming out. I really mean that. Um, it's always a real joy and an honor for me to share with all of you on this occasion, each time, each year, because I just, I love it. Uh, I, I love this service. I always look forward to it. Um, I think I say every single year that we meet here that this is my favorite service that we do all year, and, and I think that it is. Um, and so sincerely, thank you. And now it might be helpful if I just uh, begin by giving you a little bit of an idea of what it is that we're up to. Uh, my plan, what I'm hoping to do is to take about 20 minutes or so just to look at this Christmas narrative that Sue uh, just read for us and to have us consider a few things together. Uh, as you can see by the title um, on that page that Sue read from, uh, I've highlighted a particular detail from this passage, this message is called Behold That Star. Um, I wonder if anybody knows what that is. That's, that's the title of a song. Does anybody know this song? Have you ever heard it before? It's kind of obscure. Uh, so it was originally, in case you want to know a little bit of background on this, it was originally an African-American spiritual from the late 1800s. It was a call and response um, sort of a song. In fact, I was considering this idea of getting my guitar and, and doing it with all of you during this message, doing a little bit of a call and response, and then I thought about it some more, and I'm just like, no, I'm not going to do that. So you're welcome. Okay, you're welcome that we're not doing that, right? But um, I, I just discovered this song uh, last year. Around the same time, I was compiling a little bit of a, a music mix, a Christmas mix. I do this every couple of years. I really enjoy doing it. Um, it was made up of Christmas songs that were done by folk musicians from the 50s and the 60s. And lo and behold, as I was pu putting together this, this uh, Christmas playlist, um, I came across a whole bunch of Christmas songs that I'd never heard of before that really fantastic. Songs uh, like um, Rise Up Shepherd. Anybody know this one? Uh, the, the Cherry Tree Carol. Yeah, these are something I'd never seen these before. Beautiful Star, done by Odetta, All Through the Night, done by the Kingston Trio. Great, great song. And then this one as well, Behold That Star, done by Pete Seeger, folk singer icon um, for a long time. But uh, the thing that I noticed as I was compiling this uh, mixture of songs is that a lot of these songs, many of them, seem to focus on this star that we read about in this passage here. This is where it comes from. And even though this star has been quite uh, the fascination um, of many, uh, I mean, not just these musicians, but I mean, you see this all over the place. It, it, this is a fascinating component of this story. But even though that's true, it's never really been a detail uh, an occurrence that I myself have really uh, zeroed in on very much. But listening to these songs has really gotten me to think about it. Music does this to me. It just, it gets my mind turning. And uh, more broadly, it's got me thinking about the details surrounding this event that we read about here in general. And that's the thing that I would like us to focus on if we could tonight. The details, there are a few. 
anyhow. Mainly the star, um, but you find uh, many details in these narratives, all kinds, like large ones, small ones, prominent, minor, fascinating, eye-grabbing things like this star. And then you also come across these other details that are like seemingly insignificant because um, they all play a part. They, they, they all need to be there. They're all pointing us to, I would say, they're all revealing for us together in cooperation revealing the most primary thing for us, which is this promised one. This promised one, born thy people to deliver. We were singing this just a moment ago. Born a child and yet a king. Well, what do I mean? What do I mean as I reference the, the details? What am I talking about? Here's an example of what I have in mind. When we observe and consider this story, it really doesn't, you know, if you go through all the Christmas narratives, really, if we were to view this through the eyes of, through the experience of, let's say, Mary, okay, um, the things, inevitably, we're going to notice certain things. Certain things are going to reveal themselves to us that we might not learn, might not see, if we were looking at this story through the eyes of, say, the wise men, who we see in this passage here, okay? And vice versa, both are true. You see what I mean? In other words, God, it seems, uses each detail, each part collectively to help reveal the whole, the ultimate, the most significant thing that's happening here. And so all that to say, the details are really important. I think it's, it's good for us to be reminded of that, that the details are important. They always are. They always are. And so what do these things teach us? That could be a guiding question for us as we linger here for a little while. I'm going to restate that question a little bit differently in a more specific way. What do some of these details, if we're to hone in on, on just a few of them, a few select ones, what do they teach us about ourselves? And what do they also teach us about this God who has come to us in this particular way. What do we learn? Now, for me, one of the things that has captured my attention about this star, as I've been thinking on it, uh, is just the visual image that we get here. Just the visual image that comes to mind um, as we think about this and that it's what it seems to represent, what this image seems to represent. Uh, I think we would be right to assume that it would have been most prominent, the star. It would have been most attention-grabbing. It would have been most eye-grabbing in the darkest moments of the day. And by that, of course, I mean at nighttime, like right here, right now. Because light, what does light do? Light shines brightest. It makes itself most known to us in the midst of the darkest moments. Isn't this right? Am I right about this? And in terms of the vastness of, of the entire night sky, the panoramic night sky, this star would have been a seemingly, I assume, small light in the midst of that vastness, in the midst of that panoramic night sky. And that image that I'm describing does a pretty good job, I think, of capturing for us the heart of Advent, which we're in. The heart of Advent. Because Advent, as we've already heard, as they were reading for us a moment ago, what does it mean? It means coming. It means arrival. And to just fill that idea out just a little bit more, just listen to this. Listen to how the prophet Isaiah 
expresses this. This is Isaiah, the prophet from the Old Testament, speaking long before the coming of Christ. Listen to how he expresses this, speaking of this coming one. He says, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light on those living in the land of the shadow of death, of deep darkness, a light has dawned. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And then Isaiah begins to describe this promised one, this coming one to us. You understand, Advent speaks to us about the light of God breaking through, okay? Breaking through, coming to us, coming for us, you know, breaking in on the, our darkness, the darkness of our, of our existence, the darkness of our world, the darkness of our experience. What do I mean by this? What darkness? Sounds kind of abstract. Here's what I mean. Just going to try to get practical for a moment if I could. Um, like you, maybe, I don't know. I love Christmas. Have I mentioned this already? I love Christmas. Uh, everything about it, all the different aspects of it, the details that come along with it, big and small. I love the merriment. I love the music. I love the decorations. I love the gatherings, the celebrations, the food, the drink, um, the rhythms of it, all of it. But uh, I would be a fool up here, I think. I'd be a fool to overlook the many other details that pertain to us into our day-to-day -day lives. You know, I mean, if I just, uh, you know, come up here and I spend the whole time just whistling Christmas hymns and saying, Merry Christmas, and just all cheer and merriment, um, that could be disingenuous, I think. Well, why? And I would venture to say that you know why. You know, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Right here, represented in this small room among this small gathering, this is just a little uh, sample size of, of humanity, right? Right here, among us now, I would be willing to guess that some of us in our daily lives, even now, feel that deep darkness, feel that shadow of death that Isaiah speaks of, that I just read of. Some of you, and I, I know this, I hate to point that out, but I do. I know this. Some of you have buried loved ones between last Christmas and this Christmas. I know that this is true. Some of us, I know, have lost loved ones, even in the distant past. And in, in, in even still, to this very day, Christmas has just never been the same again. It hurts. To some degree. Bittersweet, sure, but there's this bitterness that comes with it, that's unavoidable. Some of us have received difficult news in recent months, even in recent weeks. Medical reports pertaining to ourselves or to somebody that we love. And so, you know, candy canes and eggnog, man, I love it, sign me up, I'm in every time. Of course. But we cannot get around the undeniable reality that this world of ours is full of darkness. It's full of tragedy. It's full of heartache. It comes with tears. It leaves us feeling weary. Doesn't it? Christmas or no Christmas, wars continue. I'm not telling you anything that you don't know. Christmas or no Christmas, nations rage against nations. The innocents perish. 
needlessly. Injustices continue to stack up. Tensions exist. Politically would be one example of this. Duh. Right? Things are just starting to ramp up right now in that way. Nothing new. Truth be told, factions of all kinds exist and persist all the time. Shoot, tensions exist within our own families. And I'm not just talking about our extended families that are visiting us during Christmas time, although that might be true. I'm talking about under our own roof. Normally, regularly. It could be anything, by the way, coming under our roof. It could be anything. It, I mean, it's, it's nice to be a little bit silly about it. White lights or colored lights on the Christmas tree? Tinsel or no tinsel? Yeah, put them up. Just like ready to go fisticuffs over these things. And it's, it's not the holidays, though. You realize this, right? It's not the holidays. I wish it were that easy, but it's not. The holidays just have a way of highlighting these things for us. And to this point, I hope that you're reading between the lines of what I'm saying. That this, it isn't just them, you realize. It isn't just that fellow over there who's voting for, for no tinsel. Like, come on, what do you got against tinsel? No. There's this darkness, if we're paying attention, that exists in our own hearts. In other words, I'm a contributor. I'm, I'm contributing to this. I'm contributing to these tensions. And oddly enough, and I'm just going to, I'll just speak for myself for a moment. And you just listen, you tell me if you can identify with this. I find that it's often the people who I love the most, who I tend to hurt the most, and hurt most acutely. Why is that? What's wrong with me? Right? Did you ever find yourself muttering that under your breath? What's wrong with me? And so I'm afraid if, if, you're, if you're listening and you're like, yeah. I'm afraid that you're not alone. For instance, why is it that we laugh and maybe even sometimes cry if we'd be willing to admit it when we see uh, family dysfunction going on in our favorite Christmas movies each year. Why do we do that? Why do we laugh? Why do we cry? It's because we relate. We identify like, yeah, you're reflecting back to me my own experience. And here's the thing. If you're tracking with me on this, if that connects with you, what on earth can we do? And here is my suggestion. I'm going to put this as simply as I can. Behold that star. Behold that star up yonder, that's how the song goes. Behold that star up yonder. Why? Because it speaks to us. It speaks to us of the light of God breaking in from the outside in coming to us, coming for us in the midst of our darkness. You say, Doug, I'm not so sure what I think about that. You know, like all of Jerusalem, if you were paying attention in the reading, all of Jerusalem, for some reason, Feared hearing about this king of the Jews. We could do that. We could fear. We could fear this. We could fear the unknown. We could be suspicious. We could be skeptical. We could be oppositional, resistant. And that may seem very reasonable to us even. You might say, Doug, you don't understand. You just don't know. You don't know what kind of difficulties, what kind of heartache I've had to endure in my life that I'm enduring right now. You don't, you don't know. I've had it. I don't see any light here. I don't, whatever light you're talking about, I don't want anything to do with it, Doug. And if that's you, the first thing that I want to say 
is I'm sorry. And I mean that. I'm sorry. And no, I don't understand. And I would also say, you're not alone. You're not alone. You're not the only one. You're not the only one who might be suspicious of this light. You're not the only one who maybe at times have just been downright angry. However, I'm going to stay with my guiding question that I began with. What about the details? What about the details? What do they teach us? What do they teach us about this light? What do they teach us about the light of God breaking in on our darkness? Another thing that strikes me, I'm, I'm moving on to a different detail here, that at first glance may seem insignificant. Okay? Take Mary and Joseph. Now, Mary and Joseph may not seem insignificant to you because we all know these names. We, we know Mary and Joseph, right? However, I would, I would say it, uh, um, in a purely worldly sense, if you understand them, you understand their story, I would say they absolutely were. They were. They were, they were insignificant. They were, they were nobodies. They were from nowhere. Mary was a teenager. And if you read between the lines, if you go through all of these Christmas narratives, the thing that you're going to find is that they themselves, they were facing many troubles and heartaches of their own kind. In their time and place, they would have most likely been outcasts because Mary became pregnant out of wedlock. She was making these wild claims that she had somehow become pregnant by the Spirit of God. What? Get out of town. They were on the run. They were far from home. She was nine months pregnant on the back of a donkey in the middle of nowhere with no connections, no place to settle down, no place to just settle in and just simply give birth in peace and safety. No doula, right? Just Joseph. Man, my goodness, I think about this. My wife Leah and I, if it had, if it had just been me, she would have gotten more help from the donkey. She's probably laughing the hardest back there. Their future was uncertain, okay? There, there, there's much more I could say. I could go on and on about the details of their life. There's a lot here, which is to say they could have done what I said. They could have balled up their fists. They could have shaken their fists at heaven and say, how could you? What are you, what are you doing to us? What do you think you're doing? Back off. We don't want your light. Our life was way easier before your light broke in on our life. And yet, panning out. I mean, we've got, we've got it so easy because we can kind of like look over the story from front to back. But they were in it. You realize? Yet panning out, big picture, God was using them. He was using this unlikely, seemingly insignificant couple to bring light to the world. And he wasn't sparing them. You see this? He wasn't sparing them from trouble in the process. Instead, what was he doing? What was he doing? Here's what he was doing. He was bearing their trouble with them. You see? He was seeing them through this process, through the trouble. He was entering into their darkness with them. Earlier, we sang these lines just at the start. O come, O come, Emmanuel. O come and drive away the shades of night and pierce the clouds and bring us light. Emmanuel, 
You know what that word means, that name means? It means God with us. You understand? It means the God who comes to us, who condescends, who draws near to us in the midst of the darkness, in the midst of our own darkness. God with us. My friends, in case you might be tempted, because, I mean, I'm looking out, there's a lot of you, I've never even met you before. I have no idea what kinds of things you might be walking through or what kinds of things you have walked through. If you might be tempted to think to yourself that God is tinkering with your life, that he doesn't care. He doesn't care about the details of your life. Notice what's going on here. Your difficulties, the hardships that you face, should not be seen, I would say, as a measurement of his care and his concern for you. Listen to how this went. They were terrified. This is our response to the light. Have you ever had, you know, you're like sleeping in your room, you're taking a nap, one of your family members busts in the room, switches the light, and you're like, whoa, stick your head under the pillow, turn off the light. They were terrified, we're told. And what did the angel of the Lord say to them? He said, do not be afraid. It's not what you think. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. For today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And as this, this message comes to a close, let me just pose one more question that we must ask. Why? Why? Why did he come? Why should we see this? is a cause for great joy among us. Here's how one author answered this question that I'm posing to you right now. This is Augustine. This is, this is an old quote. He wrote this. Man's maker was made man that he, ruler of the stars, might nurse at his mother's breast, that he, the bread, might hunger, that the fountain might thirst, that the way might be tired on its journey, that the truth might be accused of false witness, that the teacher might be beaten with whips, that the foundation might be suspended on wood, that strength might grow weak, that the healer might be wounded, that the life, the coming light and life of God might die is how he describes this. He, speaking of Jesus, his gentle, tender child in the manger, he fully and completely entered into our deep darkness. He entered into the, literally, entered into the shadow of death for us. He was pierced for our transgressions, is what the scriptures teach us. Why? That we might know the life and the light of God. For by his wounds we are healed, is what we go on to read. Freely. What I'm speaking to you about, this is what you might call the gift of grace. Do you know it? I would ask you. Do you know it? If not, please, don't hesitate for a moment to come and see me after this service. I would love to be helped to you in any way. And not just me, there are many here. I don't know, maybe you came with a friend, a family member, a guest. Talk to them, I would encourage you. Behold that star. 
Okay? Behold that star up yonder. Amen.